Good morning, Ridge Church. Oh, that was pathetic. All right. Good morning, Ridge Church. <laughs> okay, there we go. Uh, all right, so if kids want to head to Reach Kids, they can head out now. All right. Cool. All right, so uh, we are continuing in Galatians. We are uh, almost done, actually. Uh, we've made it quite a, quite a long way. So we've covered a lot of theology. We've covered a lot of truths. Um, we've tried to combat uh, time and time again any kind of semblance that we are saved by works, that we are saved by whatever I can muster in my own flesh, whatever I can do uh, to follow the law. That really is, is totally dead to us now that Jesus Christ has come. It was dead before, and it's even more dead now that we know the perfection of what Jesus has done for us. So we've had a lot of theology talking about how, what, we live by faith, believing in the promises, which are unconditional, which aren't, aren't dependent upon our works, that we live under the grace of Jesus Christ, that he freely gives us the things that he promises, not because we've worked for them, but simply because we believe that he'll give them to us. And we live by the Spirit, who gives us this great desire for Jesus and, and pulls our heart towards Jesus Christ that we might ultimately want to love and glorify him more than anything else. Because we know what he's done for us, we know his grace, we know that he's offered us this, this salvation by faith. All right, but now, now we're in this last section that has commandments in it, that has commandments, that has real tangible things that, are, that Christians are called to do in light of what Christ has done. All right, in this, we, we say that, okay, we actually are called to things. That the Christian life is not just now just do anything. No, we're shaped by the gospel of Jesus. And we're shaped and drawn into this love and our, our desire to glorify Jesus. Now, last week we talked about the call to, uh, the call to rebuke, the call to restore, the call to bear each other's burdens, to basically enter into the lives of those who are sinning and who are suffering. And this week, we're going to look at the, the other side of that. If we are the one who is struggling, what are we called to? If we are the one who is struggling, the one who is, uh, who is in sin, what commandments does Paul have for, for that person? For that person. Um, and we're going to see basically three things. We're going to see that we're called to, to share the good, to sow in the spirit so that we reap the good, and finally, to never stop doing good. So it's about goodness. We're to share the good, sow and reap the good, and never stop pursuing good in the name of Jesus Christ. So uh, let's turn to Galatians 6, and we're, we're going to see this passage. Galatians 6. Go ahead and turn with me there. Oh, we got it. We got it. There we go. I don't know if Jess did that. Well done. She's on top of it. More on top of it than I am. All right. Uh, Galatians 6, verses 6 through 10. Read with me. Let the one who is taught the word share all things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap this corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. 
So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that that in this life you don't just leave us uh, to wander a path of um, of corruption, but you have given us your spirit. You have given us uh, a path to walk that ultimately imitates Jesus and puts uh, puts all faith in Jesus. And Father, I ask that as we struggle to to persevere and we struggle to to continue on and to keep doing good, that you would encourage us with the, the grace that is in Jesus, grace that continues to be poured out and then lavished upon us. Father, would we have lives that reflect the reality of the gospel? Would you help us to walk by your spirit and not by the flesh? And Father, we ask that uh, even now your spirit would, would help us to understand and not just understand but believe these things, that we may truly be changed and give glory to, to Jesus Christ and love him and not be disappointed that we have wasted our lives on what is worthless. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, so first, first, verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all things with the one who teaches. So this is a call to, to share all good things. All right, I know what this sounds like. This sounds like uh, that if, if you're taught by a teacher, then you have to share all your stuff with him. All right. Now. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Uh, I want that. Yeah. Um, that's not what this means. All right. Uh, and that's where I, it would be nice if that's what it means. And like, I, I, in some sense, that. all right, there's this concept. So just because it's true doesn't mean that's what every verse is saying. All right. So we have to be careful, because oftentimes we can read the Bible and we, we expect it to say certain things, and then uh, we know that those things that we're expecting to say are true, and so we assume the verse says that. Uh, this is one of those cases where it doesn't work very well. All right. Uh, yes, you are called to, to provide for the teacher. Thank you. That is what your tithe goes to, in part. Um, but that's not what this passage is talking about. All right. Uh, we want to read everything in context and get the sense. So... If we were to just take that, that one application out of this passage, um, it doesn't fit with the whole flow of the passage. Then this is just kind of piecemeal, thrown out commandments that don't really make any sense. All right, instead, we need to see, uh, first, we just talked about bearing one another's burdens and specifically bearing each other's burdens uh, and calling each other out of sin and calling each other not to have a righteousness uh, that's comparative to other people that have a true, a true righteousness that's based upon Christ and that grows out of our love for Jesus. And now he's saying, let those who are taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. All right, this is the flip side of the commandments that we've been talking about earlier. That before we are talking to the one who is teaching, the spiritual one, the one who is seeing Christ clearly. And this, this is the call to those who are being taught, who are being educated in the glory of Jesus, who are being told to love, and they're supposed to share in that same goodness of the one who is teaching them. Just like you stand alone, as we saw last week, it's reminding us once again that, no, you can't just get the vicarious goodness of the teacher. No, we're called to have a certain 
goodness, to have all good things within us ourselves. That you actually are called to, to new lives that look different and reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what this is saying. Now, that word share, uh, we, share can be used in a bunch of different senses. Uh, this is not share as in share your goods. This is share as in have fellowship with, have community in, have in common. Now, for those of you who are, who are Greek snobs, some of you are, uh, this is from the word koinonia. So koinonia is that word for community and fellowship. This is saying have, have all these good things, have them in common. That together we have these good things. We have true righteousness and a love for Jesus Christ. That we actually are bearing one another's burdens. That we have the fruit of the Spirit. That these aren't just things that we, we talk about. They're actually expressed in the lives of, of all of us as kind of traits of Christians, of the family. We have those family traits in common. Love and joy and peace and goodness and self-control. All right, that's what this passage is saying. Um, and he's speaking to the danger of those who would be rebuked and who would not actually change. Who don't internalize that goodness, who don't express it. Who aren't changed by the gospel of Jesus. And the danger of those who, are, who stand in that place. All right. Um... This is not just one, one little commandment. This is the call to a, to a changed life. All right. And so with that in mind, that's, that's the commandment here. That's the commandment to those who are, who are caught in sin and who are, who are not seeing Christ clearly. And so uh, Paul gives this picture of how the Christian life works. And it makes sense, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and now he's talking about this sowing and reaping mentality. That that's going to be his analogy for how the Christian life really does work. So we're supposed to share in goodness, and now we're supposed to sow. We're supposed to sow by the Spirit, and then we're supposed to reap real fruit and real goodness out of it. All right. Look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. All right. Uh, this shouldn't be surprising. This is just a basic life principle. All right. If you decide to plant poison ivy all over your backyard, uh, you shouldn't go looking for grapes the next season. All right. You didn't plant grapes. You planted poison ivy, and you should expect a, a rash. Not, not wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was the kid who, uh, I got poison ivy like every single time I went to grandma's house. Oh, man. This is not related. Uh, this is a rabbit trail. I was going to go with it. One time I like, was hiking, and I fell down, and there's like this whole clearing, and yet I fell on like the one little leaf that was sticking out and like landed face first on it. So uh, we, we get what we, <laughs> that, that doesn't help at all. Sorry. All right. You reap what you sow. All right, if you plant one carrot, one little little seed, you should expect one carrot. You're not expecting 100. All right, that's just how it works. And that same, that same truth is true in the Christian life as well. That we don't expect, hey, if I, if I sow according to 
my flesh and works and try to live independently of Jesus, you're not going to see all this fruit of the Spirit. That it's foolishness. That if you plant according to the flesh, you're going to reap now the, the works of the flesh. And that's why I think we expect this kind of weird transformation between the two. That, hey, I can, maybe I can just pursue a life independently of Jesus, and then, then all of the spiritual fruit is going to happen. That's just not the reality of, of life. And Paul's using that, that basic principle to, to show us, essentially, if you, if you sow to your own glory, you're, gonna get, you're not going to get the glory of Jesus. You're not going to fall in love with him. You're not going to show the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 8. Why is this true? For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. All right, so once again, we're looking at this dichotomy. That our life is an opportunity to invest, to sow. And we're given the seeds to do so, we're given the resources, and we can sow our lives in the flesh or in the spirit. Now, I want to remind us all, uh, the difference between the flesh and the spirit that does not mean the difference between sin and not sin. All right? We're trying to kill that mentality. They're like, oh, like, yeah, if you're sinning, then you're in the flesh. Yeah, that's true, but it's so much bigger than that. Now, what is a life that is, that is sowing according to the flesh? Well, let's just take, let's take some examples. First, uh, let's talk about money. So, you're given resources, you're given money, you can, you can plant that. And you can invest it. And we can plant and invest that according to the flesh. And what the flesh says isn't, isn't that the flesh is, hey, what's the most sinful way that I can invest this and, and just totally obliterate the glory of Jesus? No, what does it say? It just says, you know what, as I think about sowing this money into my life, I think about it fundamentally based upon my knowledge, my strength, my goals for my life, my uh, conceptualization of, of how I can meet my own desires, how I can live independently of God, and then we go and, and, and sow our seed. So what would that look? That could look like, that could look a million different ways, but it could look like, hey, I, I'm going to burn through everything that's in my pocket because I'm just running after whatever fleeting pleasure I have. Now, we see that, and we say, okay, that's obviously living in the flesh. That's sinful. That's terrible. You're just living for, uh, for your own desires. But it could equally be the person who is, like, systematically making sure all of their accounts are divided and doing everything in their flesh and in their power to make sure that their, their future is secure, that their ultimate desires are met, that the, the legacy that they want to, to bring glory to their name is secure. Now, it's not that this one is the flesh and this one is wise. No, that both of them, both of them are assuming, okay, what can I get out of my life and what, how can I secure it and make sure that I actually don't have to live by faith and I don't have to think about Jesus, that I don't have to, to sow according to the Spirit. Now, most of us think we're like in, we're kind of in the middle there. 
But I don't think we've actually sown according to the Spirit yet. This isn't a balance between the two. No, we're, we're running a whole third other option. And when we hit that third option, living, uh, living and investing our, our money and sowing in the Spirit, what are we asking ourselves? We're asking, what is most important in my life? Like, actually, this, this money is given to me so that I can love Jesus and glorify him. And Jesus has a, a very different plan for my money than I do. And he might say, you know what, you should, you should spend your fun money budget on, on helping the poor. Or maybe it looks like, you know what, maybe you should unwisely support a missionary to the point that it hurts you. Things like that, that's what we're talking about. Now, what is motivating? What is, how is that living according to the Spirit? Well, first, it, it's trusting the things that Jesus says. It's trust him that he's saying, you know what, if you, it's better to give than to receive. Do we really believe that? Do we believe that truth? Are we going to act in faith and, and trust that our Savior, who gave and didn't receive, that he's calling us to a life that is actually going to be uh, have greater delight in him if we do that? Are we using our money to, to delight in Jesus and, hey, giving to the poor is giving to, to Jesus Christ? And instead of thinking, okay, what, what's my category of desires and what are, what are Jesus's? I love him. I want to serve him. I want to build his kingdom. I want to make his name great. That I'm going to invest myself in the kingdom and not on, on this world. All right, that's the difference. That's the difference between living in the spirit and living in the flesh. And what Paul is saying is that those two different lifestyles, like one, one is filled with faith and with grace. One is obsessed with Jesus and loves him, and it's going to have a very different fruit. You're sowing very differently, and you're going to reap very differently too. All right, let's take it into some other realms. Um, I want this to be, be practical. So uh, relationships, relationships. We all have a wonderful plan for our relationships. We have a plan for, for finding happiness and, and joy in relationships. And I think we generally have a good idea of what it would look like uh, for us to manage those things according to our flesh. All right, who are we going to seek out to, to love and spend time with and, and pour into? Probably people like ourselves. People who are gonna uh, we're gonna inherently enjoy. People that uh, aren't gonna rebuke us very much. They're not gonna challenge us. They're gonna they're gonna kind of live life and make it a little more fun. Um, and probably not people who are different than us that are gonna bring suffering and, and misery into our lives. All right, that's a plan for how to be happy according to the flesh in relationships. Now, is that a horrible, is that a horrible, sinful plan? Uh, no. And honestly, if you, if you probably did that, you'd probably reap a, a temporary harvest of, of some temporal happiness. But what does living in the flesh look like? It, it says, okay, my, my relationships are not for me, they're for Jesus Christ. 
And he says, he says that, well, he doesn't just say it, he does it. He, he loves those who, who have nothing to offer him, us. He loves sinners who ultimately end up hanging him on the cross. He loves those who, who hate him. He loves those who, who drag him down to humanity and made him live in, the, in this life. And if we're seeking to love Jesus, to walk according to the Spirit, we'd say, all right, love those who are very different than you. Love your enemies. Love those who would hate you, who would, who would challenge you. Give yourself to people who are very different than you. Change your life to, to meet them where they are. In that, you are, you are putting the, your desire for Jesus and your love for Jesus first. All right. The last one. All right. Time. Time. What does it look like to give your time to the flesh or to the spirit? All right, this is one of the things that we can sow our lives and we can, we can invest in. We only get so much of it. And so we say, okay, I'll, I'm going to balance my life according to my, the needs and desires that I feel in my heart today or to express the things that Jesus says is, are going to make me most satisfied, the things that are going to be about his glory and loving him. All right, that's the difference between do I read my Bible today or not? John Piper would say, he's saying like, <laughs> the question is eat or read your Bible. And he's like, read your Bible. Uh, very simple uh, and devastating. But um, we have our time, flesh or spirit. And that's where it comes really down to faith. Do we trust that a life lived all about the glory and, and love for Jesus is really going to satisfy us? Is it really going to be worth it in the end? And we're managing those desires in our heart. And oftentimes we're forgetting about this one who died for us and who gave his life for us, who, who is this one that we, we sang, it deserves glory upon glory. And it was more devastatingly beautiful than anything else in our in, in all of creation, anything that we could love, anything that we could give our lives to. Now, that's the difference. That's the difference between sowing according to the flesh and the spirit. And we see that the things that, that are spiritual, when we invest in the spiritual things, we invest in the things that are eternal, the things that, that put the glory of Jesus Christ first, that what do we reap out of those things? We actually reap everlasting peace and unshakable joy and a sense of, of purpose and of meaning in our lives that can't be taken away from us. We get eternal, eternal fruit from those things. And then what do we get from the flesh? It's just corruption. That these things were dead to begin with. They're not eternal things. If we plant them in the ground, what do they do in the ground? They rot. And if we, we dig holes and stick all of our desires in those holes, in, in 50 years, in 80 years, every single one of them will have rotten. There'll be no fruit waiting for us. 
That's what Paul is saying. All right, and he's going, he's going actually one, one step further. He's not just saying that your rewards, your investments are going to be bad. He's saying the outcome of your life is going gonna, is gonna to accord with these two systems. That this person who lives according to the flesh, they will reap at the end of life corruption. But the one who lives according to the spirit, what will they reap? They will reap eternal life. All right, that's where we have to reconcile this with, with all the rest of Galatians. Because we've said, no, it's not about what you do. It's not about my works. It's not about how I live. Uh, I thought we were free from all this law stuff, and now you're just dropping it right back on us. No, this is not the difference between a life that is with sin or without sin. This is, the, this is a life that's without faith in Jesus Christ or with faith in Jesus Christ. That to live in the flesh is to put faith in ourselves and to put faith in our ability to control things and to, to live life in our own way. Versus over here is the life that is lived with faith in Jesus Christ. The trust that he will, out of his abundant grace, his lavish grace, pour everything out that we need. And that in his grace, he will give us the, the best things and he'll actually call us to the best things. That in abandoning this life of the flesh, we trust that we are getting something far better. All right, that's where I'm, I'm not calling you to work. I'm calling you to have faith. I'm calling myself to have faith, to really believe and to really believe that, that Jesus Christ is better than anything else. That this one who, who died for us and gave his life for us, who promises to glorify us and, and present us without spot or blemish before the Father and who pours delight upon us for all eternity, that that one is going to be worth pursuing first and exclusively. And this is the difference between faith in Christ or faith in ourselves. And we are not saved by ourselves, we're saved by faith in Christ. And our lives are a reflection of our faith. That's where it's, we can say a lot of things with our lips, we can say a lot of things with our mouths, but in the end, in the end, does our life say that we have faith? Or are we deceiving ourselves? Are we magically thinking that, you know, I can live all of my life according to the flesh and, and get eternal life out of it? All right, that's, that's the heavy reality of this passage. Now, what do we do with that? How do we get out of that? How do we, how do we bring, bring life back into this concept? All right. Uh, Paul tells us in, in verses 9 and 10. And he says, he says, never stop doing good. Never stop doing good. Verse 9, let us not grow weary of doing good. Why? For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. 
right? The promise of scripture is that everything you sow according to the flesh, you will lose. That you will not be able to take it with you, that you will have nothing in the end. There will be no fruit on that vine. It will be nothing but poison ivy. That's a guarantee. That's a promise. And yet here in this reality, it says that if it's in Jesus Christ, if you invested it in Jesus Christ, you will reap. You will reap in season. Now, I wish it didn't say that in season part. I wish it said you will reap immediately because that would be really nice. And then we wouldn't have to live by faith, and we could just see all of these blessings right away. Uh, some of the things that you, that you when, some of the times when you trade your flesh for the spirit, uh, that season will be right now. That season will be tomorrow. That is, we replace sin with, with loving our, our spouse and our kids well, that those things will probably have a, a more immediate effect. You'll start to see the changes in your life. But a lot of the things in, in due season, that means when, when Jesus Christ returns. That means when, when the heavens open up and Jesus comes down, when we stand before the throne room. We are putting our faith in Jesus' ability to, to pour out his grace on that day. Now, uh, what are we actually looking forward to on that day? Um, all right, so rewards in heaven, rewards in heaven. Um, there's an, an analogy that Jesus uses that's, that's helpful. Uh, he talks about, like, that there's a cup. And whatever measurement you use... To, to love the world and to glorify Jesus Christ, that that same cup will be poured out upon you. That that's your reward in heaven. Now, everyone's cup is going to be full in heaven, but some people's cups are going to be a lot bigger because they, they poured out love and glory upon Jesus in this life. And the reality is that when we when we stand before Jesus Christ and receive reward, we're not going to wish we'd done less. We're going to wish we'd done more. And we're going to see all of those things going to be translate, translated into, into glory. And our cup is going to be full of all of this joy that we have invested in Jesus Christ. It will possess more joy because we, we actually got rid of it here. We invested it in the kingdom. All right, another reward. We'll see the, the outcome and the fruit of all of these things that, that we suspected maybe did nothing. The fruit of all the prayers that we prayed and seemed to, to not be answered. The fruit of all the things that we, we thought were, were futile, that we thought no one noticed, no one cared about. All the times, no one appreciated the, the sacrifices. They'll be openly, openly praised, acknowledged, vindicated before the Lord. That the one who, whose opinion really matters will see our lives and he will, he will see the things 
that are beautiful and are glorious, the things that maybe this world has rejected your whole life, but you've done for the glory of Jesus. But the ultimate, the ultimate reward, what is the ultimate reward? Is Jesus Christ himself. And that's where we have this promise where he says that if, if you love Jesus and all you want is Jesus, that's the greatest, that's the greatest heart because that's the only heart that's really going to be satisfied. That you will stand in heaven and you will get Jesus. He will give you all of himself. And you'll get to experience the fullness of his love, the fullness of his beauty, the fullness of delight standing before Jesus Christ. That the one thing that will satisfy your soul, you'll be standing before him and you'll be lavished with Jesus Christ himself for all eternity. That's the reward. That's what we're investing our lives in. That we'd glorify this one, that we'd be with this one, that we'd have sowed death in this life and to get eternal life with Jesus Christ. That's what's sustaining us. That's the only thing sustaining us is Jesus Christ himself. And for that person that is totally invested in that day, they will not be disappointed. They will be satisfied for all eternity. So, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's actually live according to the Spirit and kill the flesh that we may have more Jesus. Amen? Questions? Dan, can we close that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You can you should come in, but <laughs> yeah, Evan. Uh, right. That's where if the reward is to have Jesus and Jesus is your ultimate pleasure, then they actually combine into the same thing. And that's when we've hit a, a pretty sweet spot in the Christian life, because what do we, we're sacrificing so we might get more Jesus, and Jesus is the only thing we want, so it's not really a sacrifice, and like, the whole system works. That's when you hit like the, you're splitting atoms, and atoms are splitting more atoms, and then you have the power of the sun, like, that's the exponential reaction that then all you're called to is more and more joy. Um, have I hit that reaction yet? I don't think so. Um, but that's, that's where there's just not this war between those two things. Uh, and in heaven, that's what it'll be. It'll be glory upon glory and, and joy upon joy because we are surrounding our lives more and more with Jesus and getting more of what we want we want. Other questions?
you guys always have more questions. I'm, 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 all right, let's pray. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, um, as we think about the, the gravity of what you've called us to, um, I confess, and I think we, we all confess, that our lives are far more saturated with the flesh than, um, than we even we want to realize and that we're able to realize that we have lots of opportunities to, um, to love you and to put you first, to sow the seeds of the, of the Spirit. And we don't really trust that you will be the satisfaction of our souls that part of us is not sure that, that we'll stand there. And so, Father, would you, would you change our hearts? Would you give us an ability to see Jesus and to trust him? We thank you that you've demonstrated so clearly how much you love us, that you, you died for us, you, you came to be like us and suffered with us, and you adopted us, and are working in our hearts and freeing us from the slavery to sin. And Father, I ask that we would truly be free, free to love you and free to delight in you. Would you cleanse us from the inside out? Would this life become more and more an opportunity to love you, Jesus? Not because we have to, not because it's going to earn our way, but because what else would you invest our life in? Jesus, would you please change our hearts and change our lives? Give us an abundance of faith by your spirit. And would you lavish your grace upon us in Jesus Christ we pray.